What's going on, everyone? I'm Travis Brown with the Eagle. We're here in the Eagle newsroom to break down a little bit of Texas A&M and Alabama. And who else to do that with than Nick Kelly of the Tuscaloosa News. Nick, how's it going, man? Doing well. How about you? Ready for this matchup? I, I, I mean, we've, been, we've been waiting a while. I know. It 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 seems this was going to be the, the matchup of the decade. This is what we were all looking for. It was, uh, I think one reporter around here called it the West Virginia Vendetta. Maybe it's... <laughs> rat poison versus the 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 I don't know what it is. It's going to be a craziness, but a little bit of that luster has come out of whatever's going on because of A and M so far. Let's start, of course, with the uh, vendetta, the 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 back and forth that Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher had over the summer. You did a story on that for the Tuscaloosa News. Uh, delve a little bit about what you found uh, in, in what happened in that back and forth, and and uh, what people had to say this far removed from it happening. Yeah, Nick Saban lit the match, and then Jimbo kind of poured gasoline on the whole thing, and it didn't last very long. I mean, the fireworks were in May. We haven't really seen any fireworks since then, but. I mean, that 24-hour period, less than really, I don't know if we'll see such a wild period of, of just back and forth between coaches in a while. Uh, that, that was something that I did not expect, that that event in Birmingham uh, was kind of, I don't want to say a throwaway event, but just an event that we did not expect anything that fruitful to come out of. I wasn't even actually there. We, we had, uh, there was an intern working for us who he was, he had gotten an email about it, was willing to go, and him and our columnist, Chase Goodbread, were there. Uh, and the whole, most of the event was kind of, I mean, a dud, so to speak. I mean, there just wasn't anything that new, um, so that anything that they said was bad or was a bad event, just in terms of covering it, there wasn't really anything that new said. Then toward the end, Nick Saban says that Texas A&M had bought its entire team. Uh, so, and that was not something that I think anyone expected. Uh, then the next morning, uh, as you well know, uh, Jimbo Fisher calls a press conference, uh, not much time. You were kind to help us out with that story. Uh, and it still kind of made me smile thinking about how quickly you had to get out of, I mean, your house and get to this press conference. You had so little time. Uh, so it was kind of spur of the moment. Of course, emails showed later on that Greg Sankey kind of warned Jimbo that, hey, you know, Saban's going to get publicly reprimanded, but if you go forward with uh, this in the wrong way, you could also get that same penalty kind of thing. Uh, and Jimbo went ahead. He had that press conference for the ages. And I can imagine it was like being in that room. You, of course, know what it was like being in that room. Uh, but ever since that day, it's kind of all fizzled. But at least if you were there for the, that show, you saw quite the fireworks display. Yeah, it was a little bit of uh, what what just happened. Like you got blindsided by a little bit of a bus. You, you kind of expect coaches to, to go off on things. And we had an idea of, of what that was going to be about. But I don't think any of us new to the level that he was going to take it. And, and it almost took seeing, I told you this in the story, it almost took seeing people reacting to it on Twitter to kind of slap you back into reality and realize, Oh, this is probably going to be the biggest storyline of, of the day. Uh, and, and kind of really digest, uh, everything that he was saying, because it was, you are such in a bubble in some of those press conference rooms that you're like, yeah, okay, yeah, this is, this is, he said some things there. So anyway, but like you said, it was for as, as hot as it burned, it burned quickly. Uh, and by uh, the time they went to SEC meetings and then went to uh, SEC media days, it's over. Jimbo Fisher says uh, they've moved past it, whatever that means. Uh, what did, <laughs> did, did Nick Saban offer anything on it this week? Uh, I haven't gotten back a chance to go back and watch that yet. 
No, I mean, it really has not been discussed that much. You mentioned quarterbacks. In a lot of ways, that's been the biggest story, I think, out of both camps this week. Um, partly because the back and forth happened so long ago. It was so well covered, so well talked about. At this point, I think there is a little bit of fatigue. And, you know, just <laughs> them talking about it. Frankly, us even asking about it to an extent. Uh, we, we've covered it plenty. But uh, but I think words aren't forgotten either. So I, I think that, that that is why it persists to today. Um, but really, to me, the, the biggest storyline has been the health of the quarterbacks. And so Nick Saban, you know, he, he talked a little bit about Jimbo, but not in that context. It was more so, you know, the whole, do you want me to call Jimbo and tell him what we're doing kind of thing. <laughs> so that was really the only mention of Jimbo Fisher by name in the press conference uh, on Monday and Wednesday. Wednesday, the press conference with Saban is kind of um, just tying up loose ends from the week of practice. And, and so that was that's a very brief press conference. But the Monday one, the main one, really no mention of the whole feud. And I think that, yeah, they have moved past it, but again, I think fans especially do not forget the, what they might see as disrespect from both sides in the whole thing. Well, and we do know that Jimbo has been watching Nick Saban's press conferences because when we here in college station asked him if, uh, as Brent Zorneman from the Houston Chronicle asked him point blank, if uh, Haynes King would be starting, he said, uh, well, what do you want me to do? Call, call Nick and, and tell him I'll, I'll do that after. Come on guys. And so just kind of echoing exactly what Nick Saban said, uh, uh, about that himself. I think that was after the game when they were talking about uh, what was going on with the quarterback. So kind of a, a funny little trade there. So let's get into that quarterback situation. At Texas A&M, of course, Max Johnson uh, hurt his hand in the Mississippi State game, went out. Haynes King had to come in and uh, do, play the end of the fourth quarter. But meanwhile, a, or a little bit earlier in the day, uh, Bryce Young had, had hurt his shoulder in a game and, and out and in comes Texas native, um, um, J uh, uh, Jalen, um, Montrose, uh, is that, did I say that? Milrow. What did I Jalen Milrow, yeah. Milrow, yeah. It's, it's been a day, everyone. Jaden Milrow comes in, uh, and, and, uh, uh, fills that position. What are you, is your gauge on what's happening there? What A&M fans might see in, in the quarterback situation? Well, that's a great question. They've kept things pretty close to the vest and kind of inspired a whole day-to-day -day week, if you will, where we've heard that phrase many times in Tuscaloosa, many times in uh, College Station. So, uh, yeah, we don't know who's going to be a quarterback. Um, I think it's by design. Uh, but if it's me, if Jalen Milrow, or I should say if Bryce Young is not completely healthy, you put Jalen Milrow out there. I mean, because – this doesn't seem long-term, doesn't seem serious from what Nick Saban has said. Uh, so they got to play the long game here. Obviously, it'd be good to have your Heisman Trophy winning quarterback against A&M in a premier matchup like this. But um, the reality is, is that, you know, I, I don't think A&M's going to be able to score that many points. And so I, just because, not only because of A&M's struggles on offense, but really Alabama's defense is legit this year. I mean, this is a good Alabama defense. They've had some struggles at times years past, but this is an Alabama defense that's tough to score against. The third quarter was a little bit shaky from the defense, but against Arkansas, I should say. Uh, but overall, this defense has been near lights out. Uh, so you don't necessarily need to have a quarterback who can score you 45, 50 points. Um, you just need a guy who's going to manage the game, who can be a threat on the, you know, on the ground is what Dale Melrose's biggest threat. Um, he can throw, not, obviously he's not Bryce Young, but uh, to me, if Bryce is not fully ready, you got to make sure that shoulder's ready. Uh, so Dale Nora wouldn't surprise me if he's out there. But then again, Bryce Young has dealt with this kind of thing before, and Nick Saban said that he's gotten through it before. Uh, so he very well could be out there as well against the Aggies. 
Jaden Milrow, of course, of Katie Tompkins down here near uh, the Houston area. Uh, I think everyone knows of Bryce Young and what he did in the Heisman race. They might not know that that uh, Jaden Milrow was heavily recruited by the Aggies and was one of the uh, finalists for, for him uh, before he decided to end up going to Alabama. Jimbo Fisher said they, he, they recruited him uh, pretty heavily up until that point. Uh, for those who didn't get to watch the game uh, against Arkansas on Saturday, what is different about his game? How will Alabama's offense look different should he be the guy instead of Bryce Young? He's a heck of an athlete. And Jimbo said this this week, actually, about Jalen Milrow. Uh, but Jalen can run the football. I mean, like this, this guy is freaky fast, you know, call him Jimmy Johns because th this guy <laughs> can seriously move. Uh, there, there was a play, uh, I think it was in the third quarter. It was in the second half uh, where everything that there's actually it was the fourth quarter, everything that could be going wrong for Alabama seemed to, I mean, there was, you talk about a bad snap on a punt that Arkansas takes over on their, you know, Alabama's five yard line. I mean, there's so many things going wrong in this third quarter for Alabama. The thing that stopped the bleeding in the second half for the Crimson Tide was when he had like third and 15 things looked really bleak because Alabama was not passing. So it's like, okay, how are they going to get this first down? Um, Joe Murrow takes the team on his shoulders, runs for 77 yards. And after that, the game changed and Alabama took over and won big. Um, and so, so this guy in the open field, I asked Jameer Gibbs this because Jameer Gibbs is, is a heck of an athlete too. They added through the transfer portal from Georgia tech at running back. Uh, incredibly fast himself. I, I was curious who's faster between him and Jalen and, you know, Jameer said they haven't raced, uh, but I'd love to see that race because you just think about uh, two athletes, but Jameer Gibbs, like, it's not surprising that he's fast, but Jalen Murrow is a big dude. I mean, this is a big quarterback yet. He can run at crazy speeds. And so that, that's what really is the tough thing is you're talking about a guy who, when he has the football in his hands, he can make guys miss. He's willing to be physical, uh, willing to run. So Texas A&M is going to definitely need to make sure that they contain him uh, and keep him from running. But really, I think it's if he if he shows he can pass, that's going to be that's going to be a really big problem for any defense because uh, if he if he's a dual threat guy, then I mean, what do what do you try to stop? And so and Bryce Young is athletic and he can scramble, but there's there's like athletic and being able to move, and then there's what Jalen Miller, who's practically like a big run, like he, he almost looks like a Derrick Henry running. And he's incredibly fast. And so it, he's, a, he's a heck of an athlete. And he's someone I think as a defense, I would not want to have to try to stop. So the other side of this passing conundrum is the wide receivers. And of course, Alabama graduates and moves on to the NFL, a, a, a real stout group of, of wide receivers from last year. How would you grade how the wide receiving core has done so far from for Alabama this season? And and how much of a help will they be if they do have to help support a, a, a quarterback making his first start? It's a great question. I give maybe a C plus. It's been good at times, not so good at times. I mean, this team does not seem to have at the moment a Jamison Williams, which who, who would? I mean, the, <laughs> Alabama's been spoiled at receiver the last few years. They've had some fantastic players uh, turning out first round pick after first round pick. Um, so far, there's not been that guy that every game is just a huge threat. Now, Tyler Harrell was a the guy they added in the transfer portal who, who has that scary speed that we've talked about. Um, has not played, has, you know, he, he's not been a guy who's been able to apply that talent yet or play just because he's, uh, he, he was hurt to start the year. And now he did warm up before the Vanderbilt game two weeks ago, um, but has not played yet. So once they can get him back in full speed, I don't know that it'll be Jameson Williams good, but he has, I think he ran like a 4-2 at, 
uh, Louisville's pro day. Um, not that he was going out for the, the draft, but just he showed he could run that. Uh, so, I mean, they can get him back. That could be a huge uh, addition to that offense. But overall, the receivers, no, we've not seen one guy be consistently just productive or good. Um, you've had different guys step up at different times, like Ja'Cory Brooks. I think he had two touchdowns. There's a drive he had against Vanderbilt uh, where he caught four passes uh, one of which was a touchdown. It was like the Jacory Brooks, Brooks drive. But then against Arkansas, he didn't look that great in some moments with some drops and things. And so, um, yeah, they don't have that consistent receiver production, which is why if Bryce Young were to be out for a bit, that could be a huge problem for this offense because the receivers just haven't played at a consistent level that intensity Nick Saban wants and talks about. We just haven't seen it. Now they have some freshman receivers who are kind of fascinating. Uh, made some big plays, made some big plays against Arkansas. Uh, but those are young guys. And so the veterans need to make sure they step up at a higher level because it just hasn't been there every week. Yeah. Uh, so we talked about the quarterbacks, talked about the wide receivers, and you mentioned the defense a little bit, which is very strong. We'll go to that same question that I normally start things out. What are some of the other storylines and things to look out for for uh, this Alabama team that we haven't discussed yet? Yeah, it's to me, it's uh, Devin uh, A-Chain, right? Is how you say that? I mean, you have a guy who... Uh, yeah, it seems like a great player. Um, I think that's going to be the focus for this defense. Uh, but Alabama's been pretty solid against the run. There's not a whole lot of uh, room there for offenses to, to go. And um, But the secondary also has been strong. I mean, that's the thing. This defense does not really have a lot of weak points. Now, something to watch, Brian Branch, he is their, uh, one of their defensive backs. Um, he had to leave the Arkansas game. Now, a lot of folks think that he might be back, but um, we don't know that. He had an injury, and um, it's the way Nick Saban talked about it. it doesn't seem long-term, but um, he's a guy who uh, is fantastic for them in cover, just that, that great you know chess piece that you can move around. Um, and it, So if he doesn't play, that is a bit of a loss, but overall, this defense just doesn't have a whole lot of weaknesses, and of course, Will Anderson leads that group, and so um, I will be interested to see if this A&M offense can move uh, the football against this Alabama defense, because what we've seen so far from both sides is it's not looking good for the Aggies in that regard. Right. AM has struggled this season so far, moving they're outside the top 100 in most of offensive categories on the season. They don't know if Max Johnson or Haynes King is going to be the guy uh, moving forward or to that right. Connor Wegman, uh, who, who's going to be able to get the most action against this Alabama team. Of course, that's the biggest thing uh, for AM coming up in this game. So let's close it out with this. I think most weeks we would ask, what are some of the keys to the game that, whatever the whoever the opponent is would need to do to ensure success i think most everyone who is betting anything would probably be betting on the crimson tide the number one crimson tide this week over an a&m team that hasn't really shown much especially offensively so far so let's reverse this a little bit what are some of the weaknesses what are some of the things that alabama might have struggled with that if those things get uh, those things are exacerbated might prove a, a, a success for the aggies in the game I think we talked about the main thing is, is the passing game. Uh, even with Bryce Young, it struggled at times. You know, the receivers just haven't always been consistent. So if A&M can uh, force Alabama to try to beat them with the pass, I think they have a chance. But if, if A&M doesn't stop the run, it can be a long day for that defense. And so really, if it's me, if I'm uh, the A&M defense, I'm focusing on stopping the run and make you beat me with the pass. Um, but overall, there's just not – <laughs> Alabama weaknesses are relative to most teams that way. And, um, and I just, to me, it's maybe if you force Alabama into mistakes, um, like that would have to happen. But I think it's one thing to 
last year go to College Station where Alabama's riding a little bit high, went over Ole Miss, um, you know, get caught sleeping a little bit. Um, you know, it's going to be tough to do that, Brian Denny. You're, you know, fool me once, shame on me kind of thing, uh, where it's just going to be tough to do it two years in a row. Um, but I think if they're going to do it, you have to force Alabama into mistakes. Because um, I think what uh, – didn't uh, – was there a pick six? or There was like a pick on the goal line, right, in the AM game last year? Uh, uh, yes. Yeah, there was a pick inside the red zone uh, that, that right. turned the tide that in the huge. first or second quarter, yeah. Right. I mean, so that was huge. So you have to have plays like that. You have to force mistakes. And so um, if it is, in fact, Jalen, I think it's, yeah, forcing him into mistakes is, is really your only chance. But, you know, just uh, what we've seen so far, you know, one-on-one, it's probably not going to work out well for a So you're going to have to be creative. And I think that overall you just have to force Alabama into mistakes. Because the other thing is Alabama has not forced many turnovers this year. And so it's not necessarily going to be like, oh, we force a turnover, you're going to force one back. I mean, it's it's one of those things where – say A&M can force some turnovers, I don't know if the defense can return the favor for Alabama. So um, it's all about forcing mistakes. It's trying to get, uh, trying to maybe prey on that passing offense. And, um, but overall it's, <laughs> I'm not trying to say it's just from the Alabama perspective, but it, I just don't see a ton of paths to victory for A&M, but they absolutely have to force mistakes if it's going to happen. And uh, if it's Haynes King, he's thrown four picks in three games for the Aggies this season, so he might help out the cause as well if he's the guy to go. Nick, thanks so much for giving us some time. Let the people know how they can find you on social media and where they can find your work, including that story on uh, the Jimbo Fisher, uh, Nick Saban spat. Yeah, TuscaloosaNews.com is where you can check out my work and that of my talented colleagues uh, as well. Uh, but yeah, just on Twitter, at underscore Nick Kelly is where, uh, where I'm hanging out the most. Give give him a follow. Uh, read that story. It's good stuff. And also be sure to check the eagle.com and the Eagle moving forward as we get ready for this Texas A&M Alabama matchup in Tuscaloosa. Thanks for watching, everybody.